Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. It was, uh, you know, the Oilers uh, won the shootout game 3-2, and uh, it started out as the ultimate stinker, and then it turned into a pretty good game, at least from an Oilers perspective, maybe not from a Canucks perspective. Um, They were playing with their three star players, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and Darnell Nurse. We fully expect McDavid and Dreisaitl will be back for the first game of the playoffs on Monday night. We're not so sure about Nurse. Mm-hmm. So we'll see about that. Bruce, let's do our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast for tonight's game. What's your good thing? Okay, my good thing from tonight's 3-2 orders, unlikely win in uh, shootout over Vancouver is netminder uh, Mikko Koskinen, who uh, came up with a big performance. He was basically the only thing holding Oilers in in the, in the first period. And he wound up uh, uh, turning aside 39 of 41 shots. So what's that, 9.52 or something save percentage. And that does not include six out of six saves in the shootout, which included a couple of dandies there. And uh, he uh, he was full marks today. What do we have? Grade A's at seventeen fifteen for Vancouver. Yeah, uh, including ten nothing in the first period. Ten nothing in the first period, and the score was only one nothing. Vancouver had two power plays. And they pumped nine shots on net, and they couldn't put any of them by uh, the big Finn. And uh, then he he saved his best for I thought. For overtime, when he absolutely stone cold robbed J.T. Miller of his hundredth point on a on a uh, bang bang play right on the edge of the crease, and, and uh, Miller, I mean, he got it away fast, right inside the post, hard, and Koskinen got his whole three meter man got his uh, you know the end of his long stilts out far enough to get a piece of that puck. Uh, and then, of course, the shootout uh, down the stretch. But he was uh, he was heavily worked today. And there's some question, I guess, about the second Vancouver goal. Uh, I don't think he had much chance on the first one. And I don't know. I thought they was a couple that I didn't think he had a chance on that somehow he kept out. And uh, he held his team in the game long enough for them to finally wake up and uh, become a little more involved in sort of the second. Uh, 30 minutes. So I think we had chances at 14 to 1 at one point, and they wound up 17 to 15. So Edmonton did come around. A lopsided game. Yeah, it <laughs> cost good tonight. Yeah. <laughs> two lopsided, two different games. I, I gave him a 9 out of 10, bumping his mm-hmm. mark up a full grade point because of his work in the shootout. I mean, he had faced yeah. six shooters. Pedersen, JT Miller, Brock Besser, Pod Coles, and Garland and OEL in the shootout, and he stopped them all. I mean, that's that's astonishing work to do that. I mean, they each have about a 33% chance of scoring yep. in the shootout, and he stopped six in a row. <laughs> so, just based on that, he had a he had a great like I mean, he had a great game up until then, and he was really right. sharp. Um, but I thought, uh, you know, and and it'll be interesting. We don't know if he's back next year. His contract's up. You know, the hated contract that. Yeah. Peter Shirley gave uh, Miko Koskinen his 4.5 million over three years, or 4.5 million a year each year uh, for three years. That's finally up. 
And um, you never know, though, Bruce. You just never know uh, what might happen. I, I don't know what his market value is, but if he if he would take a huge pay cut, there's a possibility. You know, depending on what happens in the playoffs, of course, he may still. The Miko Koskinen and Edmonton story may not be over, and uh, he may yet earn another contract if he comes up big in the playoffs. It's, it's a distinct possibility. He he was he had an up and down year, uh, but generally speaking, I think he was okay this year. Uh, he got the job done. So if that is his last regular season game in Edmonton, he's going out on a high note in in on those terms. His record this year, or the Oilers' record in games where he was uh, the goalie of record, uh, was 27 wins, 12 losses, four other losses. So pretty darn good. I mean, I, I think it's pretty fair to call him an average NHL goalie, but an average NHL goalie is pretty darn good. And we've been saying uh, for some time, I've heard lots of Oilers fans say, you know, if only this team had average goaltending instead of the subpar net mining we've been getting. Well, they've been getting average goaltending for most of the season. And, of course, Smith went crazy in April. Um, but uh, I think uh, Koskinen has, you know, mostly been solid. Like, he, he's uh, not one to set your pulse to racing too often, but uh, uh, I think he's... Fairly reliable, as you know, he he's a better, I would say, better than average NHL backup, and below average probably NHL starter. But he's you know right in that range. It's just his pay scale that really was out of whack for uh, uh, for um, uh, the player that he was. But he you know he was a goalie record in over half of the Oilers games this year, so you could say he was the number one goalie this year. 27 wins and 12 losses. Hey, that's like a Ferguson Jenkins season. It's <laughs> <laughs> so good for Mikko Koskinen. That's that is a, t- a tremendous one-loss record. Does that include the overtime losses? 27, 12, and four. Okay, so, so 20, 27, and 16 is 16 losses all told, like of all different varieties. Or, or you could say he got he got um, points in the standings in 31 out of 43. You know, there's two ways yes. to look at that overtime. I mean, an overtime loss is better than a regulation loss. So sure is kind of like a tie. Um, <laughs> yeah. So my good thing, Bruce, is the way the Oilers came back in this game and manufactured. I mean, they, they had 10 five-alarm chances compared to five for the five for the um, Vancouver Canucks. So the, the very best chances, the Oilers had the most. And um, uh, so they deserved, They I would say, they, overall, they deserved this victory. But um, their goals came, the, the kind of goals which I have come to love, actually. At least when they scored, they're scored by my team, the Oilers, and these are goals that we we call the Californian, because they are outside shots that somehow end up in the net, point shots that somehow end up in the net, and the Oilers were victimized for for years by California teams on this very kind of shot. And Jay Woodcroft was the coach, assistant coach of the San Jose shot, Sharks yes. when they were manufacturing, assistant coach when they were manufacturing many of these shots. I think it's perhaps a specialty of Jay Woodcroft because we we have noticed. An increase, I think, in this kind of shot since Jay Woodcroft took over as coach. And essentially, it's puck on the net and a great screen. So the first one um, with the Oilers down one to nothing is scored uh, early in the third period. And this is a it's a good shot by uh, Brett Kulak, but it's an absolutely brilliant screen by Evander Kane. Like a, the goalie does not see 
does not see that shot. And you can't stop what you can't see. The second one is an, is another great screen, this time by a smaller player, Josh Archibald, and the um, Vancouver Canucks defenseman. And Tyson Berry puts it on net. And again, the goalie never sees it, and it goes in the net. So two goals, you know, kind of out of outside shots from the point, unless it's Evan Bouchard taking the shot or, you know, those shots, I don't know what, what percentage they go in normally. Mm-hmm. Um, an outside shot from the point, six, seven percent, five percent, not that high of, of, of a percentage no. shot. The goalie can see it two percent, yeah. you know. Yeah, if the goalie, exactly, Bruce, if the goalie sees it, it's, he's going to save it unless it's the very most dynamic of shooter like Sheldon Surrey could now and then blow it past the goalie when the goalie could see it. Otherwise, they're going to just make that shot that save but the the great work in front of the net which the orders are really specializing in right now mm-hmm. um is enabling to score the californian on a regular basis yeah well it saved their bacon tonight it looked like they were never going to score didn't it yeah. and then these they got lots of great chances and then they got breakaways like hyman was in nugent hopkins was in on a breakaway like um Lots of good chances in the end, and then Hyman blew that breakaway right at the end. They had three breakaways that actually ended up on shot. Hyman, Nuge, and Devin Shore all had breakaway or break-in chances. Yeah, Devin Shore, that was a really nice chance where he almost scored. Um, and shout-out to Devin Shore for scoring the overtime winner, by the way. Shootout winner. One for Shoot. one career. Yeah. He's tied with Jason Strudwick. A thousand. <laughs> uh, Infinity. Yeah, one, 100% shootout scorer in his career, one for one. Well done, Devin Shore. This was the kind of game that was for guys like Devin Shore, so it's kind of kind of nice to see. You know, like they were throwing all kinds of guys out there, Broussard and... and uh, McLeod. McLeod, and uh, giving them all, you know... Archibald. Decent chance to play. Archibald got a, got a decent chance to play, and... Uh, um, you know, win one for the win one for the for the uh, grinding team. You know, like uh, sure may well be a black ace in the playoffs, but uh, they gave him a shot. Boom. McLeod sure looked good, eh? That 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 uh, that Ryan McLeod Chris Russell combination was just oh. dynamite out there. They 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 were just passing it back other. and forth. Yeah, they really <laughs> were. Who who would have expected that? Nobody. Chris Russell was playing like he just wanted to have fun in this game. Yeah. And he was just jumping and darting all over the place. And he had a pretty darn good game, actually. But uh, uh, he uh, played tw- 21 minutes. But He made major contributions to six grade A shots, Bruce, Chris Russell did, which I'm mm-hmm. sure is the most we've ever counted for him in a game. Like, oh. uh, I'm certain of that. Yeah. Uh, okay, your bad thing, Bruce. Well, it's got to be that first period uh, where the Oilers just came out so sluggish and slow after, you know, winning last night in a in a game where they probably expended a little more energy than they were expecting to and, and you know, went uh, right into overtime to beat the Sharks. And without their three stars, as you say, and certainly without the two-star forwards, it seemed like the team had a, a, an identity crisis to start the game. And there was sort of no one that was grabbing the bull by the horns. And they just spent a whole lot of time in their own end of the ice. And as I mentioned earlier, a couple of penalties that really left them 
struggling and just getting crushed in the face-off dot. I think that first penalty, if I'm not mistaken, I haven't checked the play-by-play specifically for this, but it seemed like there were six face-offs in there, and Vancouver won six out of six, and they just kept the the pressure going. And uh, uh, there was a lot of stoppages. I mean, usually in the power play, there might only be one or two face-offs after the first one, but this one, there was a lot, and I just... Vancouver kept winning him, and it seemed like Edmonton just took forever to get engaged in this game. And so uh, I guess you could say the bad thing as well, Connor and Leon weren't playing tonight, so this wasn't really the Oilers we were seeing out there. And But uh, I, I'm almost happy to call that a good thing, that they didn't need to use Connor and Leon. They were able to give him a rest. L.A. played their 82nd and final game last night. No point in giving them a rest advantage on Oilers' top players and in a game that they didn't need. So, but it just the game started. I I thought this game was just going to be an eternity, and it would be end anywhere between three nothing and thirty nothing for Vancouver the way the way it started. Yeah, <clears throat> but got credit to the team. They bounced back and they actually took control in the in the. Uh, Second half of the game, they had a 9-1 bulge themselves and great eight shots in the third period. So a complete about face. Yeah, it was a, a, an exciting game by the end. And um, hell of a stop Michael by. It was the game of the year almost. Jack was, Jack was giving <laughs> it his all. He's getting excited, yeah. Yeah, he's giving it his all. <laughs> he does that. Yeah, a lot of people want Jack to call the playoff games. I guess uh, like there's a movement online to, oh, yeah. to have Jack call the playoff games, and I mean I I wouldn't mind it. I think he's 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 uh, he does bring a lot of excitement. Although I will say the playoffs bring their own excitement, so you don't really, but um, uh, you don't need Jack's extra ex- extra sauce necessarily, like in a in a fairly dull regular season game like this mm-hmm. to amp it up. But, um, yeah, lots of people feel strongly about that. Bruce, my bad thing is something about, also about the fan experience that I that I kind of feel strongly about. I'm going to go with my bad thing is that I did a poll today. So I was at the game last night, San Jose, and, and I've noticed this the last couple of games. It is so loud. I find it so oh. loud, the music at Rogers Place. Yeah. And I just, I just like, like, why? It's hard to have a conversation in between play with the person next to you. Like, honestly, yes. it is. And I just, I just mm-hmm. find it like... Do I do you want to go? Do I want to go to the game mm-hmm. because it's so loud? Do, is that fun? Um, is that enjoyable? So I thought I'd do a poll, and and I thought, mm-hmm. okay, well, I have strong feelings about this. I'm going to ask a neutral poll question. So mm-hmm. what I asked was, would you prefer the loudness of the music at Oilers games at Rogers Place to go up or down? That was the question. So I think that's a neutral question. Do you want it to go up or down? And the 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 various responses could be a bit louder, way louder, a bit less louder, way less loud. And I thought I thought either a bit less loud or way less loud was going to be the runaway winner. That was my expectation, and I could not have been more wrong, Bruce. A bit louder won with forty percent of the vote. A bit louder, and my mm-hmm. friend had a he on his phone. He's got a dB meter. It's a hundred. It's a hundred decibels in there. Yeah. I mean, that's like a loud rock concert. Yeah. Uh, way louder was was the next highest response. Twenty six percent wanted it way louder than it already is. A bit less loud, 26%, and way less loud, where I voted, 8%. And I voted too, for way less loud. (sighs) I 
I don't have a voice that carries in in a, in a noisy room, and so I, I'm, uh, in that place, I mean, when you're seeing a friend at a hockey game and you can't even talk to him or her because it's so damn loud that you know and they're playing '80s music all night. The only time you can talk is during the play. Well, that's actually the part that I really want to pay attention to. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's difficult to discuss it, but I guess I'm an old fart, and uh, so and, am I. Yeah, uh, but I was surprised to see the the uh, uh, the results uh, swing the way they did. I mean, when you add the two together, it's like two out of three people want them to turn up the volume. Like, how much is enough? So. It's fascinating to me, Bruce, mm-hmm. um, that that was the result. I not expected at all and just indication that yeah we are getting old here kids uh, these days kids these know. get off my lawn uh <laughs> yeah i don't know like it's couldn't they alternate it like you know like, like i just wish it was like when the when there's a moment in a game where you really do want to rock it get it going then right but mm-hmm. every single break to go loud every single it kind of takes away there's no buildup in the game then. There's no drama. It's just coming at you all the time. Now, of course, the Oilers, I think, if I'm not mistaken, the Oilers closely survey their own fan base. Mm-hmm. And they know what the fans want. So I'm wow. sure I'm sure they're asking this question. If they're not, they should ask this question. of the, So this was just on Twitter, right? It's not a scientific right. poll. And it's not a, a poll of the people who matter, which is the people who actually buy tickets. So if they... If they buy tickets, what would those people say? Are the owners polling them on this question, the people who actually oh. buy tickets and buy corporate boxes? Because I was in a corporate box mm-hmm. um, for this. And it was it was really, I didn't like it. Like, I, I love the game. The game itself was a good game that I saw. Mm-hmm. And it's great to be with my friends, but we, I didn't Good like talk. the ex- Overall, the experience was, that was a major detraction. And uh, we're just going to get the snot ripped out of us for being too old, yep. <laughs> too old fogies here. So, so be it. So yes. be it. I'll wear that. I like loud music. I turn my, my, uh, me too. My phone up to my earbuds up to, I often turn them up to 10 when I'm out, uh, on my walks. But yeah. I'm not trying to talk to somebody at that time. At that time, I want to listen to the music. Well, you know, Cotton Eye Joe at 120 dB is, <laughs> yeah anyway there i there i've had my say yeah okay up now uh bruce what's your number yeah my number is just how close is the national hockey league i mean they, they were talking tonight at some length about edmonton getting the season sweep against several uh pacific division teams and finishing the job last night against uh, san jose Finishing the job tonight now against Vancouver Canucks. Edmonton swept Vancouver this year. Four games to nothing. Could not be better, eh? Just We absolutely dominated and demolished Vancouver all year long. Well, here are the regulation time scores of those four games. Two to two, two to one, two to two, and two to two. And Edmonton won two, the game number one and game number 82, which were the two in Edmonton. And they won them both three to two in the shootout. Uh, and the two games in Vancouver, they won two one in regulation, and uh, the the other one was three to two in overtime, where they tie, came back to tie it up in the third and won it in overtime. 
So even the apparent domination of a four games to zero season sweep, every one of those games was just tooth and claw right to the end. And I mean, tonight's game is, you know, a different kind of game for both teams. Uh, but um, it still wound up just being super close. And, and there's just not much of a margin, uh, even between upper echelon teams like Edmonton and lower echelons like teams like Vancouver. Nyak, nyak, nyak. Uh, but, the, you know, it's close. Vancouver actually had a positive goal differential this year, and their problem was they couldn't find a way to win the close games. And we had lots of evidence of that in Edmonton. But... Uh, their ability to keep games close was very apparent. Not once did Edmonton even get three goal regulation goals on Vancouver. So this was this was a really uh, kind of uh, against form season series in a league where goals four are going up. Tight tight scoring games at least. I mean, it's hard to say. Shot 74 shots in a game is a tight game, but the. Uh, uh, those games were all close and went right down to the to the end and beyond. Tight league, point mm-hmm. well made. Yeah, the Vancouver Canucks are not a bad team, and uh, no, they're not. With will, uh, you know, I don't know what kind of prospects they have. You know, you always have to be bringing in good young players, and maybe they're not able to do that, but uh, uh, in the next coming years. All right, Bruce, my number is 104. That's the Oilers' points in the regular season. It's the highest in the McDavid era. The previous high in the McDavid era was 2016-17 with 103 points. Now, I should say it's not the highest winning percentage of the McDavid era because, or is that points percentage? Let me see how the uh, percentage they just call it. This is, I'm off hockey oh, DB. Last year. last year was 643. This year it's 634. So last year's team, if they had played 82 games and on the, on the pace they were at, they would have had more points than this year's team. That didn't, you know, they didn't play that amount. So I'll, I'll just go with the the points. 104 points. That's the most points, Bruce, that they've had since 1986-87. That is a long time ago. That is a long time ago. Now you can argue the 87-88 team, uh, which had 99 points and 44 wins and 11 ties, that if they had had overtime in, and shootouts in that era, mm-hmm. they would have gotten more. They would have gotten, a, you know, out of those 11 games, they would have got six or seven points of this year's uh, Oilers team as well. But um, nonetheless, nonetheless, like with all of those caveats because of the partial seasons and um, different ways of putting together points, this is a really encouraging moment. This is a big season that the Oilers just put together. A very good season in the McDavid era. Um, you know, they've had three now plus 600 uh, uh, points percentages in the McDavid era. This is the second in a row. Right. And this is a really good hockey team with, I do believe, some really good young players uh, coming up um, through the system right now that are going to help fill in in, in the years to come in the next two or three years. There's, there's another, there's a, do, there's a dozen players who have a real chance of playing on the Oilers who are currently in the juniors or in Bakersfield. So um, this is, this is the strongest Oilers team. We've seen the, the strongest group of talent among the entire organization we've seen since the 1980s. And it's, it's really encouraging and thank goodness it's finally happened. So we can all stop being so negative, maybe. Uh, and I don't blame people for being negative. They had lots to be negative about. But 
Um, today's a day to celebrate. And that was a great regular season overall. You know, uh, fantastic play at the start and the end, book, you know, bookends, a kind of dismal performance in the middle. Mm-hmm. But they really did play fantastic at the beginning and at the end. And they look like a really good team now. Evander Kane has made a big difference. Mike Smith's return has made a big difference. And it's working out so far. At the beginning, they were they were a little lucky to have as, win as many games as they were, I thought. Like, when you looked at their on-ice results, they were hovering at or below 50% in some of the key categories. And it just seemed like they were either getting the extra save or they were, you know, they were... Uh, they were winning games that they didn't necessarily deserve, and then that certainly turned around. But I think yeah. in this long stretch, and basically the whole way, Jay Woodcroft period of the last 38 games, uh, I think the Oilers largely deserved their record. And they, you know, they were significantly outplaying other teams in uh, both five-on-five and in special teams. Like that. They were really sort of pulling their game together in a lot of areas, and their goaltending picked up. And you know, uh, Oilers were a very strong team these last uh, uh, couple of months, really. So that '86 '87 team, by the way, that was the last time Edmonton Oilers won their division in the regular season, a mere 35 years ago, uh, when they not only won the division, they won the entire NHL. They got the President's Trophy. The second one, and it had just been, it just been inaugurated the year before. The Oilers won that, then they won the second one as well, and then they went on to use home ice advantage they'd earned to uh, win the Stanley Cup in Game Seven of uh, 1987. So, but 106 points in that that time was a lot, a lot nicer chunk of points. 106 points now. I mean, there's what 13 teams in the playoffs that have 100 points or something. Yeah, so, it was a much bigger accomplishment then. And so, I mean, there's two more games, but there's all these extra points that get that get tossed around, right? So that's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's really apples and oranges to uh, to compare across eras for uh, just raw points totals. But that said, you know, this was the best uh, points total that they've had in the entire time that that they've had the Batman points. So things are looking up and this was the third year in a row in the fourth out of six years the orders finished second in their division they couldn't win it but they, they keep coming runner up to a different team they were second to anaheim in 2017 uh they were second to vegas in 2020 of course to toronto in 2021 when they had the north division the canadian division and this year to calgary 2022 so four hated rivals different hated rivals have beaten the orders out of first place and uh, just in the last, in the Connor McDavid era. So I'm looking forward to the team making the next step in the regular season and, and proving a dominant team that can rise to the top of the standings. And uh, uh, I think that year is coming and, and hopefully coming soon. I think so too, Bruce. I think it's next year. And, That's what um, I'm thinking. Yeah. You know, these things like, in 86, 87, 87, 88, 87, 88, I think they were, that was clearly a better team this year, that year than the, like if you look at goal differential, for instance, than this right. year's team. So that's the last year where there was a clearly better Oilers team, 87, 88, than, than this year's team. And, and, you know, in 87, 88, those players were so young still, all of those great players. And, and it seemed like it was going to last forever. The winning was going to last forever. And of course it didn't with the Gretzky sale. 
in the summer of 88. So I, I would just, you know, if you're happy, right, that's the thing, like savor, savor these, these accomplishments and this team, um, the way it played in the last couple of months, because it's, it's as exciting as it is and thrilling as it can be very fleeting. And we'll see what, you never know what's going to happen. But um, I just, man, we're all craving some playoff success here. I just, uh, they've had such crappy playoff years the last two years. And maybe we'll do a podcast this weekend um, talking about the, the, the coming, like the past failures and um, this coming playoff series. We'll get together maybe on Sunday or something and do that. Yeah. But uh, I don't want to see that again. I don't want to see what we've seen the last two years. It's, it's They've been abysmal, in a lot of ways, just abysmal playoff performances. And I we can't have that this time around. And I'm sure the Oilers players feel more strongly than you or I do about that. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking fellas like Connor and Leon feeling pretty resolute about now that that's not going to happen again. I agree. Whether, whether they're right or wrong, we'll find out. But I have yeah. an idea that they're not going to accept. Uh, that it's, you know, it's anything less than... Uh, uh, Winning some. Let's start by winning some games, shall we? Uh, yes. But, uh, but let's and let's make build that those games into a series win, and then we'll deal with the next series. You know, but that's uh, they just couldn't gain much traction the last two years, and they wound up, even though they were all basically one goal games, they lost their last six playoff games in a row. So that's Jay Woodcroft's new challenge is to find that goal in the tie playoff game or find a way to keep the other team from getting that next goal in a tie playoff game that just never seemed to work out last year. So so Drew Doughty, he's out, eh? Is he, is he out for the year? I understand he's out for the year. Yeah, well, he played 39 games. Yeah. And he was playing pretty well this year. He kind of had a yeah, renaissance. He, was. he had a great start. Points. And it seemed, seemed at the start he was kind of carrying the team and that uh, when he went down, I thought, well, it's just a matter of time before L.A. tumbles. But really, they never did. They kept, they kept it going all the way down the stretch. Yeah, they've got some good young players, and they've got Anzi Kopitar and Philip Deneau and uh, Jonathan Quick in net. So we'll see what happens. All right, Bruce. Well, let's uh, we'll t- let's we'll do a podcast, I guess, probably right. heading into the uh, playoffs here. And um, okay, and uh, let's leave it there for tonight. Thank you for talking tonight. <laughs> all right. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.